John chapter 8 is the only place we'll mark for today. Again, if you don't know where that is in your Bible, you can't find it. If you're just getting handed a Bible and you're not familiar with how to find your way through it, you're where all of us started at one point in our Christian walk. So uh, just look at the table of contents in the front of the Bible. Look for a book or, uh, called John, Gospel of John. Find that page and go to the 8th chapter. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. we got some Bible to study, uh, a shorter passage again today, and then I'm looking forward to breaking bread together. Father, we're so thankful that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. And that just as we learned last week, that um, those that are your disciples, that, that follow in your Word, that, that know your Word, we, we know the truth. Lord, in a, in a day, you know this world we live in, Lord. You know the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You know there are lies around every corner. But we know your word. We have your word. And your word is truth. And we know the truth. And Lord, that has, by that, you've set us free. And so I pray that, that as we continue in your word, as we long to hear from you something that's true and something that's deep and something that's real and something that's honest. Lord, that that you would continue to set us free to greater and greater degrees and you'd fill our hearts with joy because we have this knowledge, Lord. We want the natural result of that knowledge to be the joy that fills our hearts. So Lord, have your way in us this morning. I don't know why everybody here came, Lord, but you do. Everything is naked and open to you. You don't know, I don't know what they're searching for, Lord, but you do. So I pray that you just speak by the power of your spirit through your word to each one here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen, amen and amen. Well, I felt like because it's been so long since we've been in John chapter 8, we ought to just uh, refresh our memories, refresh our minds a little bit. First, as to what it is that John is wanting to communicate in these 21 chapters that he sits down to pen. He didn't write everything about Jesus' life. We have four Gospels, all adding and including different stories, different aspects of Jesus' life. And even all four Gospels don't encompass everything that Jesus did. Each writer writes for a purpose, wanting to communicate something to a particular group, uh, something that they're personally uh, passionate about or wanting to present. And what is it that John wants to present? Well, we don't have to guess. He tells us in chapter 20, he says that the things that he wrote, the things we're reading now and will continue to read, he wrote so that you might believe that Jesus is the one that God sent. He wants us to believe. But not just for the sake of believing, but because believing results in something, doesn't it? And it should. And one of the things that, that the Lord has put on my heart lately that I've been meditating on and thinking about is there is a brand and a breed of Christianity that, that doesn't bring any change in a person's life. It's a sort of a lukewarm Christianity. It's sort of a, uh, uh, an acknowledgement of, well, these things are true. It's easy to say. But it doesn't bring transformation. It doesn't bring truth. It doesn't bring the results that, that Christianity should produce, that the Spirit of God should produce in a person's life. And, and so John writes and he says, I'm writing these things so that you can believe. Because it's believable. It's true. 
And I want to communicate that it's true so that you can believe what I've believed, what I've seen, John would say, and that you can have the same joy that I've experienced and you can have the same life that I have found in Christ. So many people have found church to bring deadness or hardness or coldness or lovelessness or unforgiveness and those, you know, but we're not talking about church. We're talking about Jesus. And belief, the, the, the right kind of, the belief that acts, the belief that responds is the belief that brings life. That's the Christianity that we want. And that's why he writes. So what a great pleasure for me to be able to share these things with you, to say, hey, these are the same things that you can listen to, just like the people John was writing to. And you can believe today, if you haven't believed, if you came in here as a skeptic, if you came in here because it's the holidays still and you're still, you know, your, your parents or your relatives are still kind of milking out that, well, it's the holidays, you know, still to come on to church with me. And maybe you're here and it's no accident. And the things you're going to hear today could change your life from now on uh, to the end of your life and on into your eternity. True? Every day, everybody has that day that they're born again. And today maybe the day is is for somebody in here. So this is why John writes, chapter 8, it's been kind of an intense conversation Jesus is having with the religious people of his day. And you've all been in intense conversations before, haven't you? Especially intense religious conversations. I don't, I, those typically get intense, don't they? Especially when you're, when you're trying to communicate what you believe to be the truth to somebody who believes the truth is something else. Uh, people don't like to be challenged in, in religious ways. That, that we, people like to have this kind of, I've built up this set of lies in my life and they work for me and, and nobody better challenge them. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. Matter of fact, if you just, we're going to pick up in verse 48 is where we left off last time we were together. But just look back uh, and, and put yourself in the shoes of the people that Jesus is talking to. Verse 45 of John chapter 8, Jesus said, But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? See, they want to kill Jesus. They're trying to, they're trying to kill him. They're envious of him. Uh, he, he's saying things that are hard for them to hear. Maybe you have someone in your life that tells you the truth. Anybody ever done that for you? Just someone, and it's not a convenient truth, but it's the truth, and you don't want to hear it, and it hurt a little bit. But, you know, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. And, and if someone loves you, if someone just wants to, you know, tell lies and speak lies into your life or just tell you what you want to hear, flatter you. Oh, you're so wonderful. You'll be careful. They want something from you. Look at what is it that you want from me that you always tell me how great I am. You know, don't, don't fall prey to that stuff. Our ego loves that. Oh, yes. Tell me more about me. But they want something from you. That's why they're flattering you. Jesus is not willing to do that because he loves you. And he's going to tell you the hard truth about yourself because when you, and if you're willing to hear it, it will change your life. And so he tells them the hard truth about themselves. He, he's not guilty of any sin. When they bring the woman caught in adultery, the beginning of this chapter, they bring a woman caught in adultery. She's busted. 
I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's clear. There she, she's guilty. And so when they pick up stoners to stoner, they have, you know, that, that's what the law would have called for. But with Jesus, they, they're going to pick up stones to stone him. What's he guilty of? Nothing except telling them the truth. And sometimes we do that in our lives, right? We pick up stones to stone those that have told us the truth. And it's not their fault. So he says, which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? And here's why, verse 47, he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear. Why? Because you're not of God. Whoa. These would be the very people, these would be the Bible-carrying, bumper-sticker-having, T-shirt-wearing, you know, going to meetings on Sunday, being there every time. That you're, these would be the, the religious people that did everything, all the rituals, all the routines, they participated They, they lacked they, they, uh, through all of it. You know, you can go through all the motions and still miss God. You can see all you, you see is rituals. All you're doing is going through motions. And, and the church has enough of that. He says, you're, you're not, but you're not hearing my, there's another side to you. There's the religious side, but then outside of this building or outside of that meeting, you're a whole different person. You've compartmentalized your life. And so I'm this way over here, but I'm that way over here. And so... Fruit, listen, here's one thing I've learned, and this may be worth a lot to, to you guys. It's been worth a lot to me. Fruit never lies. See, we have a, a lot of fruit trees in our, on our, in our house, near our house, not in our house, obviously, uh, near our house in our yard. And uh, I can tell you, in the wintertime, it's hard to tell what tree is what. You look at them, you know, the leaves are off the tree, there's no fruit on the tree. But in the summertime, you can tell which tree is which. That tree can't lie to me anymore because it bears fruit. And an apple tree... Is always going to have apples. Boy, you guys are slick this morning. Man, I can't get anything by you all this morning. So you, look, people can say, talk, talk is cheap, is it not? And you can tell yourself anything you want to tell yourself. But the reality is, if you are someone who knows God, there will be fruit in your life that's, that, that tells the truth about that. There'll be godly fruit in your life. So he says to them, you don't hear me because you're not of God. And that's like, whoa, what do you mean we're not of God? How dare you You insinuate that we're not of God? And there's some times I meet with people and I say, you know, uh, well, yeah, we're Christians. And I have to say, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. You don't believe that, that Jesus is who he says he is. You don't believe that the Bible's the word of God. You don't do anything that looks like a Christian. A friend of mine used to say, if someday we're accused of being Christians... There ought to be enough evidence to convict us. So you can imagine their response, verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I mean, that's always the way to respond when someone tells you the truth about yourself. Just find something to dig in against them back. Call them names. That always works when you're put in a corner, right? And that's how you can tell when you've gotten to somebody, when you've hit a, hit a nerve. They get angry. So sometimes we think, ooh, that's, that's bad that they get angry. Well, it, it's not comfortable. But sometimes, it's when a person is passive, when a person doesn't care, that's scary. But when you say something and it gets them angry, you know you're on to something. When they start to, to lash out at you and get personal with you, is that, then you know you've hit something. 
And that's what they do. They say, oh, man, we're, we're right, obviously, because of what you're saying. You're a Samaritan. Now, to them, the Samaritans were sort of religious half-breeds. They, were, they had a false religion. So by saying Jesus, Jesus is a Samaritan, they're saying, you don't have the right, the right religion. You're, you've got some kind of false worship that you're following here. And secondly, they say he's got a demon. Now, this is the Son of God. This is God in human flesh. And they say they're so backwards that they interpret the things that Jesus is saying as being from a demon. That demon, de- Jesus is demon-possessed. Wow. That's like, you're missing the mark there a little bit, aren't you? So it's clear that they didn't know God. If they knew God, they would have bowed at Jesus' feet, worshipped him as the Lord. Because he did everything, he said everything, just as, as God. Only what the Father told him, that's what he did. So you're, you're false religion and you're out of your mind. You're crazy. Well, Jesus answered and said, well, you, no, he didn't say that. Can you imagine Jesus, you know, well, I, well, let me tell you a thing about you. No, that's not what he says. He just simply says, I don't have a demon. He, Jesus knows himself. And he's so confident in that. He's, no, that's, this is not the issue. I don't have a demon. He's very calm. I don't picture him, you know, getting red or, or seeking vengeance, you know. It just, no, I don't have a demon. But what I do is I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And, and people will dishonor you when you honor God. Isn't that true? People you work with, you know, why, why are Christians so surprised? We're so good at demanding our rights. We deserve this. We deserve that. If you are willing to and brave enough to be associated publicly with Jesus Christ, don't expect that you're going to have your your face on the front of the Fluvanna Review and everybody's going to throw a party for you and you're going to be this world honored by the world. Please don't be, because you'll be disappointed if that's what you expect. Expect that people have some things to say about you. People tell secrets about you. People may lie about you. But if, the, and, and there's a, praise, Jesus says, hey, when people persecute you, praise the Lord. Because that's fruit. That's, his, that, that's fruit that you're, you know, don't be a jerk about stuff. I'm not saying you should intentionally kind of do things that bring on that response. But the point is just by loving people, just by crossing boundaries, just by doing certain things and, and even praying in Jesus' name can bring a lot of opposition and, and so don't be surprised because that's exactly when you seek to honor God, and we should with our lives, that other people uh, will dishonor you. And verse 50 says, And I do not seek my own glory. They're his one who seeks and judges. So Jesus says, I'm not in this for myself, believe me. I'm not in this to get anything for me. Because <laughs> that's what they would continue to accuse Jesus of, that he's somehow in this for himself, or he's all about himself, or he's, you know, trying... The, the glory, I'm not in this for my own glory. I'm doing this for what? For the glory of God. For my Father. For His glory. Not for myself. That's the one. Look, in your life, again, a huge thing for so many people. We spend so much time and so much energy trying to win the applause of people. And the minute we figure out what makes this group happy, now that group's unhappy. The minute we please this person, that person's not happy. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a snare, it's a trap, the Bible says, when you try to, to get... Glory just means applause, the good opinion. When you're into people's, what people think of you and, and impressing people, man, it's just a, a trap. 
And then, and then once you figure it out, it changes. Then you got to get a whole new set, a whole new wardrobe. Because what, what people were impressed with your wardrobe last week, I mean, you should see this stuff. Uh, people joke with me. There was a day, those of you that are Michael Jackson, were Michael Jackson fans in the day, there was a day when wearing a sequin glove impressed people. And I was in that day. And parachute, does anybody remember parachute pants? Now, if I came in today with parachute pants and a sequin glove and did the snake across the front here, you would not be impressed with that. You would go, oh my goodness, he's got a demon. <laughs> but there was a time when that impressed people. That's what, that's what the fashion was. That's what was in. Not anymore. So man, the, the best thing, man, I'm telling you, it's just so freeing. It's so freeing just to say, Lord, what do you want? And all of a sudden, these outward things, these, the, the way we dress, you know, all that stuff, it, it's a, it takes a back seat to things like character and things like just doing the will of God and things like, you know, showing up in places where, where there's people that need love and loving them. And that may not impress people. We may not have the, the biggest church budget because we, we, we don't choose to minister in the richest neighborhoods. But it impresses God. I mean, you just, sometimes you just go somewhere. I remember the first time I walked into the soup kitchen in Charlottesville, and I just remember looking around and, and, and eating, eating meals together and just thinking, this is where Jesus would be. He'd be right here. You know? Jesus said, I do not seek my own glory. There's one who seeks and judges. That's God. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Whoa. Now that is a huge claim, isn't it? I mean, who could say that? Who can say, if you, if you keep my word, you'll never see death. I have the secret to eternal life. I mean, who claims that? I don't, Buddha didn't claim that. I know that. Jesus makes that claim. What's he talking about? But the, what we know in our reality, our human reality is our shared experiences that we do see death. As we, we mentioned, and we'll be uh, we, just this weekend, just, you know, last week. We see the physical death, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Remember, Jesus is speaking on spiritual terms. We're all going to see physical death. But then there's, everybody is resurrected. Some to eternal life and some to eternal condemnation. Everybody is going to stand before the Lord. Now, those that have Christ, those that are, have believed, have kept his word, have been people of faith, you know, we have, we are, we're covered by, by the atonement, by, by Christ. He paid for our sins, the things, the law we broke. He paid for all of that. So we get the, we're, we're free. And we get to experience eternal life. But the Bible talks about this thing called the second death. I mean, one death is bad enough. There's, a, there's an old saying, um, born twice, die once. Born once, die twice. You get that? Born twice. You have your natural birth and your spiritual birth. You're born again. Jesus talked about that to Nicodemus, John chapter 3. Born twice, then you die once. All you have is a physical death. 
and then your physical death ushers you into spiritual life. Physical death is just a, an, an entrance into a, an eternity, eternal life with God. Eternal, eternal relationship with God, with the living God. But if you're only born once, your physical birth, then you die a, a physical death and then the Bible talks about, Book of Revelation talks a lot about this. Chapter 20, you can check it out. There's something called the second death. And that's eternal separation from God. And if God is light, and if God is love, and if God is truth, and if God is life, then the greatest hell is, is the opposite of all those things. No light, no truth, uh, no love. That, that's what eternity will be. And, and Revelation talks about it being cast into the lake of fire. So what, this is a huge claim. If, if someone hears my word, keep my word, he shall never see death. I mean, wow. Now this really riles him up. You can imagine. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have it. I mean, before we were just kind of speculating. But now we are certain that you are out of your mind. C.S. Lewis made uh, famous the, the trilemma, not a dilemma, not two parts, but three parts, that Jesus was either a liar or a lunatic, or he really was the Lord. And you can't read the things that he's writing here, or the things that have been written here, the things that he's saying, and not see that that's true. He's either absolutely, they're either right. I mean, he is really crazy. Or, and, and he's really demon-possessed. Or he's really the Lord. So he's, they say, oh man, we're right. You, we know you have a demon. Here's why. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, they're all dead. And yet you, you have the nerve to say, if anyone keeps my word, you shall never taste death. I mean, Abraham heard God. Abraham was a friend of God. He heard God's voice. God spoke to him. The prophets, they heard the word of the Lord and then they spoke it. They had God's direct word to them, and they died. So you can see why, why these Jewish people, why these religious leaders are freaking out. And they say, verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham? Abraham was the father of, he was the man that God used to start the whole Jewish nation. And, and if you're reading through the chronological Bible, today's reading has to do with the beginning of, of the life of Abraham. So I suggest to you go home and, and get into it. But Abraham, are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets who are dead? I mean, who do you make yourself out to be? I mean, who do you think you are? That's a good question, isn't it? The, 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 where they go wrong is they say, who do you make yourself out to be? The insinuation is that you're trying to make yourself something you're not. When all Jesus is being is exactly who he is. He's not making himself out to be anything that he's not, Right? Like we so, we're so good at making ourselves out to be something we're not. I mean, we embellish and we name drop and we connect ourselves to famous people and, you know, to our, to our favorite sports teams and all these things. We, we really are good at embellishing to make ourselves something. Why is that in us? I ask myself that all. Why is there that tendency to let people know how great we are? Because we have great friends and we know great people. Even if we knew them 25 years ago, met them once when we were three. Who do you, I mean, 
Who is this guy? Who, do you say, who, who are you making yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. And, and that's the truth. You can say it. You can toot your own horn all you want. Jesus says, I'm not tooting my own horn. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Now they're starting to, feathers are getting ruffled here. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. Wow, again, just the truth. And again, speaking with people that say, well, I'm a Christian, or, uh, you know, I go to church, or I pray, or all these things that are substitutes for. The Apostle Paul was a Jew. The Apostle Paul was one of these religious leaders. And he looked on his life, he looked at his life, and see, all those things I had, all the power, all the prestige, all the religiousness that I had, I counted all as dung, as garbage. I traded all in for this, to know him. You trade all in to know him. Just, this is what Paul wanted. All those years he realized, I didn't know him. Matter of fact, he didn't know him so much that he was persecuting the, the, the very church that Jesus established. I want to know him. And I hope that's what you leave here saying. Not, I want to go to church. You know, invite people to church. That's great. But know that this is not the be-all, end-all of your experience. It's not just, I showed up for church. I sat in a chair. I even stood up when they sang. I'm not singing yet, but uh, maybe I'll get there. Maybe not. Uh, I don't like to sing. The lights are too bright in here, and people might see me. And and then then you go out, and then, uh, okay, check that off the list until next week. The question is, do you know him? Do you know him? And, and there's so many, there's so much superficial stuff in our world today because we, we're all on, you know, Facebook is such a superficial way of communicating. We only tell people what we want them to know about us on there. But, you, you know, you, someone might say, well, I, I know Pastor Steve. Well, do you? Do you really know me? Have you spent time with me? Have we talked? Have we ridden places in the car? Have you come shoe horses with me? Have we spent time here, cut wood together, whatever it is, you know, where we can actually have a conversation and talk and get to know each other? You might think you know me. And a lot of people assume they know us, don't they? And a lot of people, just because someone carries a Bible and says the right things doesn't mean they know him. Fruit never lies. He says to them, you you say he's your God, yet you've not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I'll be a liar like you. Hmm. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So, and this is one of the characteristics of God. God cannot lie. He said, I can't lie. I have to tell the truth. But I do know him and I keep his word. Now listen, this is where it gets intense. Your father Abraham rejoiced, leaped for joy. Literally, he leaped to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. What? Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, Your fa- and he saw it in the past tense and was glad? Leaped for joy? What's he talking about? Well, there's, again, they respond, verse 57, then the Jews said to him, you are not 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? You see, Jesus said, Abraham saw me, 
they flip it around a little bit. I don't know if that's meaningful for any other reason other than an observation. Jesus said to him, you are not, uh, the Jews said to him, sorry, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? I mean, Abraham had lived and died thousands of years before. So how is it possible that you can say Abraham saw you? You, you and Abraham had a, had a connection. And then this is a mind blower. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. There are a lot of people that say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. And it's just not true. It's so clear. You'll see the response. Well, even if you don't understand the passage, the response gives it away. But interestingly, Jesus says to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, and that's the word that means before Abraham came into being, I existed. I exist, really. It's the present tense of the verb form to be. I am, he is, they are, that's in English. Every language has its verb tenses and every every language has its parsing of verbs and all of that. And this is the present tense of the Greek word here, and it goes back to the Hebrew when uh, 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 Moses learned that God's name was, who, who, do I tell, who do I tell the people sent me? Tell them I am sent you. The one who exists. Who all, and it really means the self-existent one. I've always existed. Well, when did, when did God you know, come into existence? I don't know. You assume that everything has to have an existence, or have to have a beginning. See, we... we substitute our own understanding for spiritual things who says that everything has to have a beginning god defies that god didn't have a beginning no beginning and no end he's eternal by definition go home think on that one for a while try to explain that to your to your family dog i don't know i don't get it because uh, i because i you know someday we'll say we we we're good at you know well i was the, the older i get the better i used to be I was, blah, 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 blah. So this is, you know, this is intentional. Jesus is saying that there, when did he see Abraham? When did Abraham, you can read volumes on on when it is that Abraham and Jesus met. Some say uh, that Abraham rejoiced to see his day, that he saw it when when God said to Abraham, you know, that, that through your seed all the nations will be blessed, that he understood that this was a future promise. And that that would be fulfilled in, in Jesus. And so looking afar off, that, that, that's how he saw that day uh, in fa- by faith. But I don't think that can be true because it seems, because then it wouldn't have necessitated that Jesus was preexistent. Just to tell a, 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 about someone that was going to be born later on. But this is saying that Jesus existed before Abraham and actually that they met. Now it could be, again, I'm not going to go into this in depth because it's... Uh, some of you may not know the stories, but for those of you that know your Bible, when, Jesus, or when uh, Abraham meets Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and he, he gives him bread and wine, and the, the king does, the, the king of peace, and, uh, and, Melchizedek, and then Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. That Melchizedek, some would say, the writer of Hebrews says, he had no beginning, no end. This was probably Jesus make, showing up in the Old Testament in human form, in the form of the king of Salem. The king, which was probably the old name for Jerusalem. 
could be when uh, these three angels, one of them being the angel of the Lord, says that the Lord showed up to speak with Abraham when he tells Abraham he's going to have a son. And it was the Lord there in, in the human form. That could be. Also Genesis 22, uh, I believe 21 or 22, when Abraham uh, sacrifice, goes to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah, another place where Abraham learns that uh, even if he kills him there because the promises come through this son, God is able to raise him from the dead. So pick which one you like. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The point is, Jesus is saying, I am. Jesus didn't come into existence at Christmas. He already existed. He's existed from eternity past with the Father and the Spirit. You can't say otherwise. Do you get that? Now, just to solidify this in case you don't believe that, they took up stones to throw at him. See, now they've got reason. Blasphemy. He's saying he's God. They knew it. They knew exactly what he was saying. They took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. If, if the folks that are going to serve communion could, could prepare to, to bring that uh, out and begin to serve that. I managed to stretch that out pretty good, didn't I? But here, as we, as we get ready to, to share communion, I, I want to come back to this thought, this final thought in just a second. But as we prepare for communion, um, the, communion is, is what we do. If you're visiting here, you're, you're, you're not sure what's going on. Communion is what Jesus invited us to participate with with him in it's a meal and this is a representative meal today uh in the old testament or excuse me in the uh in the old church the ancient church uh this would have been accompanied by a full meal and then they would break bread and and remember the lord together and now we have this the the representative bread is the the matzah and the cup is the the grape juice that will be passed around and please once you guys have it ready please begin to pass it around um And we've been invited to do this by the Lord. He's invited us to the table to come and share a meal with him, to to participate. Uh, He is not just the host, but he's also the bread. His body is the bread and his blood is the cup. So we're taking him into ourselves. Now, as it passes around, if you don't want him in you, spiritually speaking, if you don't want that union with Christ then please, this is not the time to lie to yourself. No one is, trust me, no one is going to criticize you or condemn you for being honest with us and with yourself. If you you don't want the life of Christ, if you don't want to identify yourself with him, then please keep coming, keep listening, keep learning, but just let the cup and the bread pass by. It's not a big deal. But if you're here and you say, you know what? I don't know how God can love me. I don't, know, I don't know why God would want me. I want to tell you that he does. I can prove it to you from the Bible, but I'm telling you that he does. And he is inviting you personally to join him in life. And if that's what you want... And don't worry about what I've did in the past or all that I've done or all that I've been or all that I've been told. If you want a life joined to the living God, if you 
know that you need your sins forgiven, then please, this is the invitation to come to the table and be accepted and be changed. So you can just feel free to participate. Does that make sense? Yeah, are we all together on that? That's what, my, that's what we want. I mean, that's what we want for you. But I'm on this kick about honesty these days. I don't know why. Why, why it's such a, you know, there's such a passion in me about honesty. It is the best policy. It, it definitely feels good. Say again. The fruit. You know, the, the Bible is filled with passages that talk about people who aren't honest with themselves. You know, if you say you walk in the light and walk in darkness, the Bible says you lie and don't practice the truth. So if, if you're one now this communion is not for perfect people, right? This is not about, oh, I'll get my act cleaned up and then I'll participate. It's for those of us that know we need a physician. We know we're sick. You go, know, Pastor Steve, he's sick. I heard that joke about the snake thing and the, the, what he used to wear. He's a sick man. Yes, that's right. My wife married a sick man. I'm a sick man. Praise the Lord, I know it though. Praise the Lord, I'm free to admit it. The problem is, is when sick people refuse to go to the doctor. You're stubborn. You're lying to yourself. You're sick and you need a doctor. Look at your life. Look at your relationships. How many of them are broken? Versus how many of them are whole? If you've got a string and a series of broken relationships, if you're isolated and and no one can ever live up to your expectations and you always find excuses, then the doctor says you're sick. And there's a time in your life where you stop blaming everybody else. And you look in the mirror and you say, I'm sick. I need help. And the medicine is being passed around. I said we'd come back to John chapter 8. Going through the midst of them, it says, that, and, and so he passed by. And I don't want Jesus to pass you by. He, they rejected him, and so he passed by. There's another time when the disciples are in the boat on the water and it's a storm and they're freaking out and here comes Jesus walking on water. And this Bible says this crazy thing. He would have passed them by had they not called out to him. And as, as the, the representation of the blood and the body of Christ are, are being passed around the room this morning, I don't want this to pass you by. I don't want this moment to pass you by. I'm going to make sure you know you're invited. Just as you are. 